You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is a conversation between myself and a fella called Dave Cooper. He's the excellent bassist in Brisbane-based Caligula's Horse. The reason for the chat, well, there's a number of reasons for the chat. They've got a very small tour coming up, or three dates, so I shouldn't really call it a tour, but three dates, Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. Uh, let me read them out, actually. Friday the 3rd of August, they're playing in Sydney. Then it's Saturday the 11th, they're playing at Woolly Mammoth in Brisbane. And then Thursday the 16th, they are playing at Howler in Melbourne. They're also going overseas, so they're going to Europe for a run of shows. Very big shows, actually, and Dave and the band are obviously very excited about that. You'll hear Dave's enthusiasm through the conversation. They've also got a re-release of some earlier albums on vinyl, which is pretty cool. And they've got the album that they released last year if i was a bit more organized i'd have a copy of it in front of me right now so let me find out what it's called we talk about it through the chat but i'll just rather tell you what it's called now hang on it's called in contact there you go all right so here he is mr dave cooper david andy mckay smith calling for our chat how are you uh, very well andy yourself plugging away it's bloody freezing though isn't it now you're you're in brisbane aren't you I'm in Brisbane, so it's uh, we 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 get the mild the mild cold. Where are you in? Sunny coast. Oh, there you go. Yep. So Where it's not you? too bad, Maroochydore. So uh, we're not used to it though. So it's 11 degrees at the moment, and it's a clear night, which generally means it's going to go down to God knows what it's go down to. I try and plug. I'm just looking at my Apple Trusty Apple iPhone app at the moment. Oh, it's not going to be too cold. It's only going to go down to nine degrees. It's not like the other day when it went down to five or whatever it was. Uh, the lowest I've seen in the in the Uber car at, at two o'clock in the morning has been eight so far. I think so. <laughs> oh god, eight yeah, minutes. gotcha. Is that what is that what you're doing? Is it on the side? That's my. Um, that's pretty much what I do when uh, it, the the band isn't. Yeah, I uh, I was uh, I was working in retail for a, for JB Hi-Fi for a very long time, and I was mm-hmm. sort of doing a little bit of Uber on the side um, after uh, uh, once we started touring a lot more back. You know, sort of. Um, 2015-16, so I started doing Uber and and, uh, and yeah, just real, come to realise recently that it's actually been um, uh, much better for money, scheduling, uh, lower stress levels, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's kind of oh, God, yeah. <laughs> uh, you think some people will be really stressed, but I actually really like driving, though, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going, going well. With stuff. Yeah, I don't blame you, mate. Yeah, well, retail's a very stressful job, isn't it? Oh, it's a heck of a thing to be dealing with the public in that in that way. I know you're still dealing with the public in Uber, but they tend to be more motivated to. How can I say? It's be happier in retail. I think you're dealing with all and sundry. It's uh, it was definitely getting all and sundry towards the end there. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, same as that. I mean, I've, I've worked in the in the CD and vinyl um, section for many many years, and it's it's good to sort of have a bit of a finger on the. On the, the slowly dying pulse of uh, of hard copy, <laughs> although obviously vinyl picked up a little bit, we probably haven't uh, haven't tipped over the peak in Australia. Yet. I think it's maybe other places, but I guess we'll come to that because we're, 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 it, it's fine in Europe and it's good given we're we're doing the reissues for yeah. the first two albums, which is which is phenomenal. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing the, the artwork uh, lavish lavish large on the on the bigger platters and, uh, and yeah, uh, and I think. River's End is going to sound phenomenal, particularly on, on, on the LP. So, yeah, we look forward to that. So. 
Well, you've, you've segued in nicely into a question that I've got for you then because I'm, I'm really taken with the artwork that you've organised for In Contact. Now, I haven't read who did it, but it looks a lot like Reg Mombasa. That's interesting. I, I, I don't know if Connor, the, uh, <laughs> the artist, uh, I, 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 I don't see, I was looking at his website and having chatted to him a little bit, uh, I, I wouldn't know too much about uh, his direct influences. So I, definitely, uh, I can definitely see uh, what you're seeing seeing there. Um, yeah, they're really, really cool. I think basically Sam, um, when we were looking for artists, uh, he was just Googling, I think it was impressionist sort of mm. stuff or whatever, whatever the, um, the style. And uh, he just, yeah, came across something that Connor had done and, and uh, went to delve a bit deeper into his work and basically thought, yeah, that's, that's the dude we want um, to, to convey the, uh, I guess the, uh, the themes, you know, in the, in the metaphorical way that we do. So, yeah, no, he, he's a really lovely guy too, which is really cool. So, I mean, the, the art was actually done as proper oil paintings. Which, yeah. Um, and then obviously we you know, took it from there. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, a lovely, lovely piece of the work. And, uh, yeah, one of the nicest, probably one of the nicest uh, people I've had communication with uh, from a business perspective and, and in general for uh, mm-hmm. since, since I've been in the band. Like really, just that, that uh, very, very, uh, you know, the Northern Irish character, but uh, yeah, no, just lovely guy and uh, yeah. easy, easy to do. Yeah, so uh, I hope, uh, yeah, hope, hope that all goes well for him. Yeah, well. So let's keep talking about the album. I read a review early on from Metal Injection who were effusive in their praise. They gave it eight and a half out of ten, so I'm talking about the album in context still. It's been received really well. I remember when it was announced and I got the emails from Chris last about this time last year, I think, wasn't it? Or was it toward the end of last year? Time flies either way, but it was last year sometime. And um, look, you get a lot, of, a lot of media from all sorts of wonderful agents out there that are doing their bit to promote albums and releases. And um, look, your one, your, it was the artwork actually that caught my eye initially. But then when I started listening to the album, of course, you, there, there's terms like prog but you seem to be a part of this modern revitalization i don't actually i shouldn't even call it a revitalization because i don't know whether we've had it before but there's just this epic would you call it metal let's just call it hard rock at this i'm trying to and i say on what you're saying right now we really need a term for it don't we it's there is a missing word yeah to rock metal and prog uh, unfortunately, I don't think the word alloy is going to work, even though it's <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well literal description, but figuratively, I don't think yeah, enough people would uh, <laughs> sort of cotton onto it. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. You know where I'm yeah, headed. It's, yeah, and we it's Australians. Part, it's, part we, it's part pop. It's part all, all sorts of things. It's definitely prog. It's definitely rock. Um, there's, there's light folk moments. You know, it's, it's definitely got everything. Hmm. But it's not. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, uh, in the not too distant future, uh, Sam will have a bit to say about uh, <laughs> uh, the term "frog" itself. Uh, so keep a look out for that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's got a bit of everything, and, and uh, yeah, the reception. It's really interesting. Like, I'm sure, you may have noticed, I don't think we've had any, and nor do we expect it to have, but to have any serious radio play for even for the singles like "Little mm. Song" and, and "Songs for No One" in Australia. But the, that notwithstanding, I mean, the response from around the world has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, and we're seeing, uh, funny, I'll I, I come back to the JB thing, because uh, it, it took me until basically uh, the week after I, I uh, left my job to um, sign up for Spotify. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been a holdout for a time. And uh, 
but uh, primarily so I could sort of start to get an idea of where people are listening to it or how many people are listening to it through this, this mechanism and, and, and where and so on. And, and it's just been staggering to watch, actually, those, those, the numbers um, on, on the monthly listeners, the, 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 reg, uh, the regular listeners, and uh, increase um, at a very nice nice uh, canter over, over the, the time since In Contact uh, was released. Uh, and also uh, to see where some of these fans are as well. So I mean, obviously looking forward to the, the Australian shows and Europe's going to be phenomenal. But uh, I'll tell you what, Dave, uh, Santiago Chile is number one on the... Uh, <laughs> Is that right? On the list of our Spotify fans, with twelve hundred, and then London, and then it's uh, yeah, we're I'm trying to get the full list at the moment. But it's it, the fact is that right now, you know, if everyone shows up to those uh, shows, one show in each of those cities on on, on any of those tours, it's going to be uh, an absolute vindication of the, the way we've approached it. And uh, with the new prog, the new prog goes to Terra again, N E W N U hyphen whatever you want to say. <laughs> yep. Um, how, how do I how do I phrase it? Look, when I when I started uni, I did Bachelor of Music eighteen years ago and uh, at UET, mm-hmm. and what dudes introduced a great a great guitarist, good dudes introduced me to Dream Theater, and it was that's that's where it all started for me. But mm-hmm. funny enough, given that was was the year two thousand, and, and they showed me images and words from nineteen ninety two, and great yeah. album, yeah, it's a lot of great bands who are in and around the periphery of that sort of stuff at the time but it didn't feel like that the kind of cohesive wave of that really good mix of rock, prog and metal um, that is now definitively occurring both from uh, I guess from a, from a European uh, perspective or uh, inside out as well with Haken and Leopards particularly uh, our, uh, our label mates, our good mates and, and so on hopefully we get to play some shows with uh, them more frequently in the future um, but so, I mean that's, that that is the new wave because I mean they've they've done four or five albums each as as, as have we uh, and yeah and continuing to to get albums out quickly and tour more and more frequently and the, the numbers are building and there's a there, yeah there's definitely a, a sense of cohesion without being uh, you wouldn't say each of the bands sounds exactly the same or anything like that um, but yeah there's definitely a it definitely feels like that wave. And it's kind of the same thing for Australia in a, in a, in a broader sense as well. I've mm-hmm. probably had this conversation a million times about the absolutely astonishing calibre of Australian rock, prog, metal um, right now. You've got Voyager, you've got 12 Foot Ninja, you've got Neighbour Viscaris, you've got Circles of the New Album coming out. I thought the sky is fantastic. And you've got all the old stages as well, uh, the ones who are still making the carnivals and DLCs. You've got you know the comeback bands and Cog and, and Butterfly Effect and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and Mammal's going to... Yeah, it's but and, and super new bands coming come from, back, yeah. It's slightly underneath, well, what whatever level between that and Carnival and then and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to, all the medical medical stuff, obviously, which is huge. But Australia is just uh, everyone keeps everyone overseas at, at the moment is 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 saying is there something in the water down? down yeah, there? no, I I agree. We've got the top metalcore band being Parkway Drive. We've got the top deathcore band being uh, Thy Art Is Murder. You could put. Any, you could put yourselves a dead letter circus. Well, weird now yeah, the, the grindcore stuff as well. That's not prog, but it's still interesting and different. Really well done. But I understand your point, and you're talking about hard rock and heavy metal, and it's a point that I've made repeatedly when I've been interviewing Australian artists. And I think a lot of them have been bashful. So I'm really glad that you're echoing my sentiments, and where you 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 understand. Okay, yeah, we're at the forefront of 
I don't know what it is, but something, some sort of a revival of just great modern rock and roll, whether it be any of the metal genres, any of the rock genres. Australia's producing some brilliant stuff, and it's really interesting that, that you found via Spotify that you're not the majority of your audience, but the number one is Santiago. Because I find with yeah. my podcast series that the majority of my listeners are in the USA. So people are, the point is people, their gaze is directed toward us. They're looking oh, at yeah. us and they're wondering what we're doing. So for little old me with my podcast series, most of, my, most of the people who listen to this will be in the States. I've, I've, I feel really privileged to have an audience over there. You spoke Spanish, Andy. I suspect you get even even more in Santiago and, and Mexico City and, and Buenos Aires. And, of course, uh, uh, Brazil's Portuguese-speaking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, yeah. I had a... Uh, again, I'll come back to Uber. I had a, a Chilean passenger, a, a young lady, and just... I had a curiosity because I'd noticed... I think it was just after I'd noticed... I joined Spotify and seen all the numbers and, and seen Santiago in, in, in pole position there. And I said to her, look, is there... Some explanation you can provide to me. I don't know if you listen to metal, but uh, what can you tell me about the culture in, in, in Chile? And she basically said, "Yeah, there's three really very good, dedicated hard rock and rock and metal stations that are, you know, like, not not internet radio stations like actual FM. Yeah, terrestrial radio like, stations. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's like we, we take away Triple M and Triple J and 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 B one hundred five and replace them with these three stations." And the whole thing would be very different. Uh, that's what they have over there. They're, they're playing. They're still playing all the classics, but they're also playing uh, more intricate and more modern stuff on a more frequent basis. I mean, uh, uh, I, I respect Triple M probably the most of our radio stations here, and we've had a bit of play in the Australian sort of stuff. But um, I know there are two very large Australian rock bands from the past that get a lot more play than everybody else. <laughs> Unfortunately, in terms of um, uh, the Australian content uh, requirements for radio, I know all the pop stations are completely uh, subverting that. But uh, mm. it, they, in their own way, by just not playing anything Australian, probably because there is nothing Australian that's any good as pop at the moment. But when it comes to the, the rock side of things, it's very easy to just go, cool, we'll play ACDC and Cold Sizzle and that gets us 40% of our content. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, just on that too... I, I sorry to interrupt you, but I, I've, I interview a lot of pop artists and indie artists as well, and there is some stuff coming from Perth, mate. Si yeah. Simon, Simone, and Girlfunkel, for example. There are a ton of bands coming out of Perth that, as far as I'm concerned, mate, Taylor Swift should be on the phone to whoever writes Taylor Swift's songs. If she doesn't, should be on to these guys and girls over in Perth saying, "What are you doing?" and help me write the next Taylor Swift album or something. There are some really top quality. It's world class stuff that's coming out of that city at the moment. So, I, 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 again, I look at my earlier sentiments. I'm just so glad that you're picking up and you you feel as though we are representing very strongly on the musical front. You know, and, and I agree with you too about Triple M. I've I've got to be careful about what I say because obviously I'm going to broadcast this on Four Triple Z. But um, I'm not a fan of Triple J, and I haven't been a fan of Triple J for a very long time. It's like this exclusive club of people that don't seem to give a shit about some, some wonderful artists in Australia. I could be completely wrong, but that's a perception I've formed. It's, uh, without being in the mechanisms of the, of the label, of, sorry, of the radio stations, it's, it's hard to know, but there's uh, mm. uh, what would be nice if there were uh, two or three or four 
uh, other available slots on the FM band uh, bandwidth, even though I know it's uh, we're, we're in the age of the internet and it should be a bit different nowadays. But if there were two or three or four different slots that were uh, dedicated to particular uh, styles instead of being about location, I know. I, again, I know I know radio is a hard thing because uh, obviously you guys here, we even have different radio stations. On, in Maroochydore than what we do in Brisbane sure. and what we yeah. do because it works. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice if yeah, there was some dedication. It's cool to see. I, I, I'm really impressed, with, for example, with um, with Tim at the faction trying to yeah, do the internet radio thing on behalf. And, of, of course, Hoagie for a, for a long, long time. Hoagie's been yeah, fantastic, so. hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And then Lockie's doing what he can at, 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 with the metal stuff at, uh, at Triple J as well. But uh, it's, uh, So that, I know those three guys are but giving, yeah, incredibly happy. Doesn't that tell you something about Triple J? They give metal. Is it two hours? Two hours I a week. Three. Uh, three. <laughs> so three hours. Forgive me. They give metal dedicated three hours a week. When I'm damn bloody sure a lot of the eighteen to twenty-four year olds, so the demographic that they're that they comprise the majority of their listenership, there'd be a ton of hard rock, rock and metal fans in that demographic that listen to them playing all sorts of other styles of music. Caligula's horse, as far as I'm concerned, should be on at seven thirty and eight o'clock in the morning. Drive time on Triple J. I, uh, I I'd love to hear that. If I were if I were awake at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, <laughs> any, <at> all that. <laughs> other than other than I've come home and uh, have fallen asleep after being out at four o'clock in the morning. And anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you, I get you, but it's the point stands, mate, doesn't it? Really, that you have you you're a lot of things to a lot of different people, but overall, you're very accessible. You're a very easy band to put on in the car when you're driving. I can tell you that. And that's really important to me because I do a lot of bloody driving. So I was able to listen to your album uh, a few times over in the car, driving back to the Gold Coast and then coming back up. And that's usually a very good indicator for me because usually if I haven't turned it off by Biwa, I know I'm doing pretty bloody well with an album. You know, as soon as I get to that turn off there where you get um, Najee, Yep, you know, yep. the gateway turn off there. If I've still got it on by then, then I've got something that I think I'm really going to enjoy. Nice. You know, so so you've been able to do that, mate. But, I mean, God, I'm only one person. You've got a, you've got a legion of fans that are, that are knocking at your door. So tell us about what the plans are. I know the album's been out now for quite some time, but is there any further promotion that you think you guys need to do in order to build the audience? Um, I look. We've got the, the three Australian shows coming up. Um, uh, it's a little special, special uh, full album performances, and then some uh, some fan requested uh, stuff that we haven't played as much lately. Which is going to be fantastic. Um, we're really looking forward to playing some of the stuff we haven't played uh, from from In Contact before, and, and doing it in sequence is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I think. Uh, uh, well, I'm just looking forward to getting yeah, getting to Graves and, and uh, particularly and and mm-hmm. doing. Uh, because uh, uh, even though it's the 16 minutes it's track at the end of a, a very very hectic, uh, what will be a hectic set, it's, it's definitely uh, uh, an energy lift. Of course, Cannon Cannon's been up before that too. It's just phenomenal. Um, hmm. Sense of promotion. Uh, we're really looking forward to a massive headline and good festival tour of Europe coming up in October. Um, obviously, we, we've had the we had the first European tour as a support act in 2015, and then we did. And nine, nine, nine very fun, uh, interesting dates last year in June. You know, we got to play with Opeth, got to play with Pan of Salvation. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, 
yeah. all that, uh, which was just, I mean, yeah, particularly the excitement for, for um, Josh and Adrian joining the band recently to go on their first overseas tour was, uh, uh, it was a very, very cohesive and uh, well-functioning and happy time. Hmm. And uh, I suspect even though that logistically it'll be a little, a little more difficult, obviously, with uh, the, 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 the four or five weeks uh, of this, but some of the places we're going and playing and, and playing for and playing headline shows uh, properly in Europe for the first time. So, I mean, I know that London show will be huge. I know Paris yep. will be huge. Uh, we'll go back to Barcelona. We're going to see... Um, Play a few places we haven't played before um, as well. Uh, we'll get to go to Portugal and Croatia uh, by the looks of nice. it. This is be cool. um, don't say anything about the football. I'm watching the second half on replay right now. Uh, <laughs> Once I would. Uh, My wife's half Croatian, by the way, so you can imagine she, well, she was watching it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, no, look, uh, yeah, promotion. It's weird because, I mean, we're, what's that? By the time we get there, we'll be 13 months through the album cycle. So next year, particularly, is, uh, is a big moment uh, for us. We need to see what's happening potentially with North America and, and uh, to be to be fair as well, having just mentioned those statistics, South America. Yeah, for sure. As well, yeah. Um, trying to figure out when when to do them, uh, who to do them with, or what what performances to do. Um, and the logistics of it. North America is a little more complicated uh, than Europe is in terms of a band of our size uh, and, uh, and and finances and the business structure and so on at the mm. moment. If, if the right things come along, then we'll certainly jump on them. Um, so, but that's, that's the promotion side of things uh, from, from a from a performance perspective. Uh, and then beyond that, it's yeah, it's hard to say. I don't. It's, there's no other. Um, video or anything like that uh, coming from coming from the album at this point. So okay. generally how it the two, but um, yeah, just got to keep chipping away. Uh, I think I think uh, yeah, we just have a bit of time to recoup after Europe. Anyway, I, I hate, I hate yeah. saying the word recoup, but it's, it's just my surname. But but but, but switched around. Oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's always going on about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a rap name in there somewhere. I'm not going to say. Uh, anyway, right. uh, yeah, I, we, uh, I, I, I want to tick some buckets with stuff, particularly in terms of performances. Because in the end, um, the performances have been the biggest thing for us. That have, uh, obviously, we, we've had four albums. It's, it's phenomenal on the, the art stand on its own. But uh, then to be able to perform it in front of um, numbers of people in different places is, is the most important thing to us. So, and I am. Uh, I like traveling. Um, Great. One of my favorite things. And, yeah. Uh, I, I wanted, I look forward to doing it and, and I'm sure that the guys do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, new places. Hopefully Japan would be nice too. You know, those, uh, <laughs> you, you'd think at some point uh, maybe, maybe we need to be pushing the guitar side of things a bit more. I mean, we've got essentially, well, yeah, it, how do you, how do you determine who's the, who's the best guitar, young guitarist in a, uh, rock, metal, prog, whatever guitarist in Australia is right now. But I mean, oh god, in yeah. Terms what, in terms of what Sam provides as not only an instrumentalist, but as a song, as, as a musician, a songwriter, an engineer, a mixer, the the the, the, the grand uh, uh, provocateur. Yeah, all bases uh, covered from the sounds yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, there's, yeah, there's definitely a few guitarists around. Sorry, I mean, we forgot to add plenty to the list before of uh, 
of uh, the, the phenomenal uh, Australian musician, musicians who are, you know, what's, what's in the water in Australia, well, Pliny's another one. And, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, so when you've got that sort of ability, and Adrian's a fantastic guitarist as well, and he's got, he's got the long blonde hair as well, so, I mean, between the <laughs> two of them, they should have magazine covers uh, in Japan, <laughs> left, right, and centre. Uh, and we should be playing in front of thousands of people in, in Tokyo, and I don't know, I'm just uh, sort of rambling. But, uh, no, that, that would be nice. Think yeah, big, mate. Pushing the guitar yeah. a bit more would be good, because they are phenomenal and you know there are Australian guitar magazines so I, I hope they uh, I hope they get a bit more more presses uh, yeah I agree with you yeah is, it, is, is that right there's still a print publication for the Australian guitar the Australian guitar magazine is there I believe so. I'm sure it's going to be at least one or two. But, they used uh, to be. I remember ten, even beyond ten years ago. God, I, I only subscribed to one magazine, and I read it in print on purpose because I try to get away from looking at a screen. And that's Success Magazine from the States. But um, I used to get as a kid, mate. When I say kid, up until my late twenties, I used to get uh, Guitar World. Remember the American publication, which I'm sure is still going. I used to get that religiously. And, uh, yeah, they'd often bring out the old, no, no disrespect to guys like Albert Lee and Al Biola, they're absolute legends, we know that, but you do want to see some fresher faces on the cover, don't you? And, and yeah. appealing and, and tablature, fresher tablature in there than Stairway to Heaven, and, and I'm just using cliches here, of course, but sometimes I get the impression that they're sort of stuck in that mode. Yeah. <laughs> but they've got to sell magazines, I suppose, so if that's what sells magazines, so be it. Yeah, look, I think if you wanted to talk for three or four hours about uh, my my rudimentary thoughts on uh, uh, the, uh, the the difficulties of the industry as a whole, was almost almost an unintentional Ponzi scheme in uh, in some ways, and, and, in, and in others uh, definitively mm. and intentionally a Ponzi scheme <laughs> of, uh, of the way the, the big the big things were. But I'm sure we we don't we don't go into that right now. But it's, uh, Let's it's, talk it's, about. It's, it's, Let's talk about this then, because I'm a bass guitarist, and the reason I actually selected to have a discussion with you is because I was keen to talk about some of your work, because you are an exemplary bass guitarist, and I noticed that you play Music Man basses, and I'm pretty sure you play a version of the exact same one that I've got, which is a Stingray 5 wood grain finish with a black pickguard. Is that still your main instrument? Yeah, absolutely, yep, yep. Yeah, wonderful bass guitars, aren't they? Yeah, she's got a, a lovely ring to her. Um... It's it's funny like it's, it's it's nice for people to you know talk occasionally about uh, what what I what I bring to the album. I've um, bass guitar is a, for me is, is historically the third third string. It's it's kind of funny. I I, I grew up you know, as, as a vocalist first. Uh, look, we'll say we'll say fourth string because I played violin and that was the sort of the thing that got me uh, moving mm-hmm. as, a, as an eight year old through through to high school and then started playing guitar when I was twelve and. Uh, the bass guitar side of things, pretty much, it's 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 been about a decade now where I've sort of been more focused on it for uh, some uh, some kind of esoteric reasons that uh, uh, but uh, yeah, and as as a result of doing that, uh, got the opportunity to audition for uh, say the Proto Caligula's Horse, which was a band called Quandary, mm-hmm. featured Sam, myself, uh, Jeff, the former drummer of Caligula's Horse, on drums and uh, a keyboard player. Who was a phenomenal musician, and I, I hope he's uh, I hope he's still doing stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. we had the uh, we did an album, and then um, Sam was working had had the offcuts and all that, and uh, so on. But uh, yeah, I I, I yeah, I'm still very comfortable, uh, almost more uh, in terms of uh, singing guitar. 
in a lot of ways. So it is funny to get up on stage in front of lots and lots of people and um, uh, not only uh, now, particularly now, I feel like a, a bassist, an actual bassist as opposed to the imposter. And I, I know there's a, there's a few bassists in this uh, in this genre in Australia who, who, who talk about this, this imposter syndrome feeling kind of thing and, and that they talk about it and go, holy shit, you, you're talking about it? <laughs> I really am an imposter compared to you. <laughs> You know, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to not only feel now uh, that uh, bringing um, – look, uh, Sam, Sam always makes a joke when we, we're doing the recordings and or we're doing the, the, the pre-pro and going through uh, – you know, he, he writes the majority of, yeah, the, 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 the easy stuff and then where I think there's room for change, I definitely uh, – I throw ideas. And we uh, and yeah. most of the ideas accepted. And he, but the joke the joke is that uh, he's going. Oh, it's, uh, he's done another. He's done the, another one of those Paul McCartney's again. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the little, little runs. You know, it's like, that's a compliment. Your rock, that sort of stuff. It's definitely a compliment, but it's, it's kind of funny. You're talking about uh, uh, that sort of stuff uh, from from the you know, the biggest musician of all time. Uh, you forget not only yeah. was he a phenomenal vocalist, but he was actually a really really interesting bass player in a, in a, in a group that you don't well, really well I saw about. him I saw him at Suncorp did you go to that gig unfortunately not no no I was uh, oh, he's, I've played many Beatles because I play in covers bands so I've played a heap of Beatles tracks no Paul McCartney tracks Wings or what have you but a heap of Beatles stuff and Please Please Me and there's a few other bass lines that he did and they're hard bass lines to play but then he's singing the way he's yeah. singing on top of it the guy's a machine he's an animal Oh, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal musician. I had a real the wonderful thing about being a musician is that when you listen to music and then when you're able to play that same music and you learn it and you sit down and it takes you quite some time to get your head around the nuances and the different positions on the fretboard. And I play a five string, as I mentioned, like you do. So I try to transpose things to take advantage of the B string because live it just cuts through as you, as you well know. You'd be somebody I'm talking to who knows exactly what I mean. Um, four strings just don't do it a lot of the time when you've got a lot going on around you with keyboards. You need to really cut underneath that, and I tend to transpose everything onto the uh, to the B string, so an octave down, and it just cuts through beautifully when we play live in these pubs and clubs around Brisbane. Yeah, but um, well, that's what we do for the low end. So if you've got the lowest end, you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about um? What about amplification? Do you, are you are you endorsed, or do you have a preference for what you use on stage, or is it just whatever the hire company gives you? It's interesting. We're actually um, in the process of transitioning to, um, or attempting to transition fully to um, our own in ear monitoring system. So we're more in the sort of the Tesseract kind of sure. um, state. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, the guys are both using Act Eight on, uh, so the the, the, the yeah, fractals, fractal yeah, yeah. Fractals on stage. Um, I, I, I'm running the Axitex to uh, I had been running my uh, Matrix Power Amp through my Meta Boogie with the 4x10 usually or hiring 8x10s or whatever or, uh, when, when I've needed to. Yeah, whatever's available um, really, yeah, I suppose, yeah. But your sound is the music man through the fractal, is it? Yeah, look, I, I'm, at the moment I'm actually really happy with how it all sounds uh, through that mechanism and it's, um, so we, we are... Yeah, basically trying to minimise. I think it, it's more about trying to replicate uh, the same stage performance everywhere we can. And given most of our fan base is overseas, and yeah. uh, it's going to be cheaper 
and in the long run to to do what we're doing. Like the system we're now implementing in rehearsal, um, yep, we'll, it's all portable and it's all controllable by us. Hmm. So we, we take it, we even take out another human being out of the equation. As, many, as good as many of them are in Europe, particularly for a very very good monitor, hmm. monitor yep. guys as well as the people in the front of house. But uh, uh, if this system that we're using is basically the same night in, night out, uh, with a couple of microphone exceptions for, for placements and so on for drums, but like, in terms of what the guitarist and, and myself and here, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty much going to be the same every night. And that's, that's good. If that takes the, uh, the heavy lifting out of the equation as well, um, uh, take a bit of pressure off my old back. So that's <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. I've got a Galleon Kruger, uh, 8x10RBH, which is the bloody 45-kilogram model. Maybe it's 50 kilograms, but I need it, mate. I need the 800 watts because, it, again, you know exactly what I'm talking about. 400 watts, I just chew speaker cones, for, speaker cones up for breakfast because I'm, I'm playing a lot of funk and disco music, pop music, yeah. and as soon as you start doing that slap on the... You're on the B string, but you're sort of up around E, so the fifth fret, it just you can see the speaker just can't handle it. So you need a lot of power behind you. You do need a lot of power behind you, so I absolutely need it. I use a Galleon Kruger 1001 RB head, uh, but my sound is actually Sansamp. So I've got a Sansamp that really is uh, gives me that nice dual i like to it feels like an octave that it gives me when i'm playing just a little bit just a touch of it the, we've got a good sound guy tony heads up to tony if he's listening tony farini he used to be the sound guy down there at jupiter's in the pa bar um he picked it up actually that that's that's part of the sound that i've got but um yeah it's uh i do dream for the day when i've got to set up like what you've got where regular gigs sort of thing regular gigs and uh well i don't I, I, it's very hard for me to go into a position again where i could have regular gigs because of all my various commitments that i'm studying it again at bond duty so um i've got two kids well, and i'm married as well for bond what's that sorry where's the campus for bond is that gold Coast? yeah yeah down at varsity lakes rabina yeah Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, actually, what my situation is that I've, I actually live in both locations. So I'm up here and I work from up here. The reason I used to work for Telstra and I worked in on, on the Sunshine Coast and in Cairns for a long time. And uh, I ended up having a base here. So I travel up here quite a bit because I've still got a lot of mates here and I've got a property that I let out as an Airbnb property. The reason I let it out as an Airbnb property is so I could still stay in it from time to time. And uh, sure. I'm able to get away and detune and do my interviews here, for example, and get my radio show organised for Four Triple Z and catch up with some mates. It's really good, actually, provided the wife uh, doesn't have a conniption. <laughs> I'm away for more than a couple of days. Um, but uh, yeah, I actually live on the Northern Gold Coast predominantly, so um, that's that's why I'm able to go to Bond. Obviously, otherwise, I'd be going to USC up here. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, there's something you said there, I was going to. I mean, I've just lost it. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> um, no, um, uh, yes, um, you, you, you're playing, you know, obviously with the lower string and all that stuff, and you're saying uh, the fifth fret E rumbling causing the speaker can't blow out. I, I, look, I, I happily admit I am uh, of the uh, the five or, or seven total members over time, but of the five uh, uh, positions in the uh, in the basketball team, shall we say, I'm the one who has the most technical difficulties historically, with uh, particularly when it comes to speaker cones. Uh, I'm I'm sure that um, I dropped my B string to A. That's why we're all, we're all, Holy we're all dropped. Holy shit! 
Jesus, the yeah. Bottom, that actually that's answers right. a question then that I had because I was going to talk to, to – who's your luthier? Who do you go to to get your, your bases fixed? Okay, all right. This is, this, this is the good stuff. Now, this guy definitely deserves the greatest plug of all time. I, you, you, you probably – you may have spoken to him before. His name's Ryan Williams. He used to play uh, in a band called Alarm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he's, uh, he doesn't anymore. He actually used to play. He and uh, Rob from I Built the Sky, who were touring uh, Europe with, and we played a few shows with in recent times, used to play in that band together. But Ryan, uh, who's a very good guitarist, uh, mm-hmm. but is uh, look, uh, Sam put uh, put us all onto Ryan. He, he's based on the Gold Coast. And so, incidentally, for your information, Great. Um, yeah. he goes he, on Facebook. He goes under the name the, the Guitar Pro. Uh, and he has sorted us out royally. He, and his he, skill um, at setting up everything, uh, fixing any of the electronic problems, um, has been nothing short of uh, phenomenal. Actually, I, I've been playing my strings a lot higher uh, from when I first got the Stingray in twenty. When was that? Yeah, in there, so April 2015, before before the Bloom recording, hmm. um, and I didn't really sort of um, have a decent look at the setup until well, before we um, before we went to Europe. So it's when, I, when I, uh, Sam put me on a Ryan, and within getting it back from him, just going, "Oh my goodness, what have I been doing this whole time?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, just why I was exhausted. You know, from uh, from the like, uh, I'm a terrible slapper. I'm, I have a strange face. Um, but, uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not the caliber of say Alex from Voyager, who has a phenomenal technique and a phenomenal sound of that sort of stuff in yeah. the context of the kind of music we play. Um, but I do do it a lot anyway in, in certain certain parts, just for the added effect, as, uh, as, as you you understand yourself. Yep. Um, and but, but switching between that and some of the fast playing, and then just really whatever and uh, yeah, once I once I got that fixed, it's 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 a it's a it's a cakewalk playing this stuff now. And it's like yeah, that, 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 that's a noob noob mistake for for years of you know not being a bass player. You know, always considering myself uh, a, a ring in kind of kind of feeling. But uh, yeah, yeah. Now, I think now it's much easier. Maybe maybe that's helped as well. Well, it, it does help. I mean, basses are like old Jaguars, I always say. They're like 1950s or 60s Jaguars. Beautiful to look at, and but but they frequently have problems. And I I go to Gary Albrecht uh, at Brendale, Strathpine there. Uh, he's a bit like the experience that you had with your guy. Nothing against the guys I used before I found Gary. Um, but Gary has just revolutionised the way that I trust. It's actually about trust, I think, with me. Meaning that, and I think you'll know exactly what I'm saying again, is that when I get up there on stage and we're playing three sets and I'm sweating all over the bass and probably a bit of beers dribbling down it or what have you as well because I'm drinking it quickly between songs or whatever, I know that it's not going to fail on me. Um, you know, yeah. but you know, active, active pickups is what we've got and um, the battery. I've had issues with the battery. You know, the cable severing and the like and the Music Man thing because they're not a great design apparently, but. The fixes that he yeah. has done to my basses, I just trust it completely that it don't matter how many people I'm playing in front of. I've never played into anywhere near the amount of people that you have outside of BNS balls. But you still don't want to be thinking about, is my bass going to stuff up tonight on a New Year's Eve gig at Bundaberg Brothers Leagues Club? Yeah, no, absolutely not. You know, uh, I, I've had many, like our, our first Europe tour, 
I think I went through the whole thing uh, with a, um, a connection problem with the, the, the input jack. Um, it didn't affect the shows, but I was always thinking about it. The 24 shows, there was like, oh, cool, I made it through the night without the problem. Whereas mm. up, up, I went to Europe last year for the nine shows after. Uh, Rhino had taken a look at it, and I, I didn't even think about it. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Yeah, you're just getting up there and focusing on being in the moment and putting on a great performance, rather than, oh my god, my amp, my my speakers are about to die because I'm pushing it too hard, or the the yeah. I can hear the bass is sort of fading in and out. I don't know whether it's because of my dodgy wireless or whatever it might be. Once mm. and there's so many for for non musicians out there that that listen to this, there are about. I think I counted at one stage, and this is no bullshit, there were in excess of 20 points of failure between you and your fingers on the bass string and the speaker coming out of the speaker cone and or the PA. That's 20 points of failure, 20 things that you've got to be aware of that can potentially go wrong when you're setting up for a performance. That's why we get so stressed at times. Look, uh, uh, yeah, I think I, I, I reckon I've had about seventeen of those twenty things happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't had a string break. I can tell you that now. So that's, I had that. Likewise, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it, it, pretty much everything else under the sun has happened to me. Um, actually, the other, I guess, the other thing about uh, that is um, yeah, how you then cope with something that's going wrong on stage, particularly the stuff where you are still, you are still fine to the audience, but you're not fine to you. Um, oh, yeah. Play, yeah. play camera. And uh, my, um, the Matrix head blew up, uh, which, of course, uh, I didn't have, we didn't have a backup. Because, uh, so I, well, I didn't have a backup, so I used someone else's. But uh, um, what happened? Because, yeah, something, but then there was something wrong with the cab that was there at the venue. So it was cutting in and out and and and, and fizzing and whatever, mm. as well as my uh, fallback speaker at the front of stage, which was predominantly was well, it was partly for the bass because the the, the cab was was rooted, but then uh, for my vocals as well. So uh, basically, I played the entire set in Canberra, not hearing a single thing I did, um, yeah. and felt, still felt at the end of the show that I'd played one of the best shows on the tour. Uh, and uh, a couple of our mates down there came, came you know, who'd been watching, came up afterwards and said, "That was that was phenomenal." I said, "Yeah, that's good because I couldn't hear a damn thing." Isn't that interesting? <laughs> they, so that was all feel. Yeah. That was all feel, and just all of your training and rehearsing kicking in. Not only, not only the bass, but the vocals as well. It was pretty. It was pretty insane. Oh, that's so, nasty. Uh, yeah, without vocals, five mate. Years, I'd, yeah. Five years ago, I would not have coped with that situation. To be honest. So. Well, you've 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 become a professional. That's what that means. You've become a, a legit road warrior to be able to manage that because the base is one thing. <laughs> Semi-professional, but definitely a, a road warrior. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, that's that's the sign of a professional musician if ever I've heard of one. For, for those out there that are listening, if you cannot hear yourself sing, you cannot pitch. It's that simple because you're talking about there's so many other variables, again, with other people. If you're singing and I assume you're harmonising as well and if somebody else hits that note and you're on a third which bleeds into a fourth and they're still on the fifth and they're meant to go to a seventh or whatever it might be, it's a shit of a thing. It's an absolute shit. I've been in the position myself and I've just stopped stopped singing um, uh, when I can't hear myself and I know that it's clashing with somebody. It's just a feeling or a vibe thing that you get or when you can just hear each other's ambient voices so not the amplified voice but the ambient voice of each other across the stage sometimes you can only 
rely on that. And I've done a lot of, I'd never call it session work, but turn up and play because I play covers. You just turn up and you meet everybody on the night. You don't even know everybody's name and you shake their hand and then you disappear into the dark and go home at the end of the night. But I've done a heap of that stuff. And you're working with musicians who you don't understand what their natural style is. So you've got no point of reference. So you've got to really keep everything as basic as you possibly can. Even even on the bass, people don't understand. I mean, the bass gets a... Although there are a series of memes out there about the bass not being that hard to play, but Jesus, if anybody wants to try and get up on stage and play it when they've been unprepared and they've got a full set or a couple of sets in front of them, good luck to you. It's not happening. Definitely. You know, it's it's oh, confidence yeah. destroying. Yeah. You know. Uh, so. Mate, we've covered a lot uh, of ground, you know, on this conversation. So is, is there anything else that you wanted to share with people? Because obviously the reason for the conversation was to talk about the Love Conquers All East Coast Tour, but I reckon we've talked about a whole bunch of really interesting things that people might not have anticipated that are really worthwhile. Well, look, I, um, uh, obviously can't wait to play these shows. It's going to be uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal trip, uh, a series of short trips. Um, and, yeah, hopefully... Uh, Next year, particularly, we'll, we'll get back to we'll get back to the, the full the full Australian routine as best we can. Um, but yeah, just it's uh, we're just really enjoying that it's a it's a great time for all, all all this kind of music from from an Australian perspective and from an international perspective. We are absolutely uh, I, I, I am an atheist, but I use the term blessed uh, because it, to, to be able to um, share the stage with some of our, our our mates and then our heroes and heroes who become mates mm. uh, and, and and phenomenal talent all over the place and and not all the same kind of talent. There's lots of different different little intricacies and, and nuances and, and idiosyncrasies within uh, these these other other groups that we get to hang out with, uh, which, which we really appreciate and we learn from all the time. Uh, it's nice to be uh, particularly in the solid unit. That the band is um, the um, uh, there's, there's a camaraderie uh, that is, is stronger than at any time they ever has been with the band, uh, and uh, I think that's it, yeah. Yeah, it's nice to uh, yeah looking forward to I think particularly with Josh and Adrian uh, to get them uh, they've done they've done the first overseas tour but they've got the big the big one coming up as well uh, and will be mm-hmm. uh, really interesting to uh, have that different experience. Uh, on on the big tour bus this time as well, so uh, as opposed to the sort of the, the small stuff with hotels and whatever. So mm-hmm. um, that'd be good because we're touring with two Australian bands for the uh, for the Europe tour. So we're, we're, we're hanging out uh, with some of the cream of Australian music for the next uh, four months. Uh, but, I mean, obviously with them, the Love Conquers All sto- uh, tour. Yep. Um, James Norbertovani, fantastic guitarist, and his his combo. Uh, you want to talk about bass players? Uh, yeah, you got to check out uh, Liam Horgan. He's just absolutely ridiculous. I bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the real deal. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely an imposter compared to Liam. Uh, and uh, and Liam on Liam on drums as well. Uh, the, there's two Liams in the band. Uh, and then Opus of a Machine. So I mean Zach, uh, phenomenal uh, musician, guitarist. Our former guitarist from uh, from Caligula's Horse. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're coming up to their second album. This is what that part of it the tour is going to be about for them uh i uh i've heard a couple of the songs i've heard the whole thing i missed, missed that uh, last opportunity last week but uh, by all accounts it's going to be a phenomenal release uh they're a great band they're good dudes 
uh, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun uh, doing doing these these shows coming up with them. Mm-hmm. So it's a good time to good time to be alive. A lot of humility in those comments, mate. Well done to you. Congratulations on a stellar career uh, to date, and I mean that because I know it's not easy being an Aussie band playing. Even rock music, let's just call it rock music, you know, to our early, very early point about how do we define the sort of music you play. I know it's not easy and you've got other professional commitments that you're looking after via Uber and what have you, but good on you for, for forging forward. You are, mate, and I will say to people listening, you are a very good bass player. You've undersold yourself and I don't I don't blame you because you're a humble guy, but you are a very good bass player and you're worthy of, of emulation. So anybody that's out there and is starting to pick up the bass guitar and starting to become interested... The fellow that I'm interviewing here, go and check out some of his YouTube clips with the band Caligula's Horse because they're quite, they're very good stuff and great vocals too, by the way. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be underselling myself for, for, for decades to come. I trust me, Andy. All right, mate. Good on you. Thanks so much for the interview. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay Smith, and that was a conversation between myself and Dave Cooper, who is the bassist in Brisbane-based Caligula's Horse. Really appreciate that you've listened.